Blog Talk Radio. Even today, there are those who are trying to silence our words. But the voices of this conference and of the women at YRO must be heard loudly and clearly. It is a violation of human rights when babies are denied food or drowned or suffocated or their spines broken simply because they are born girls. It is a violation of human rights when women and girls are sold into the slavery of prostitution for human greed and the kinds of reasons that are used to justify this practice should no longer be tolerated. It is a violation of human rights when women are doused with gasoline, set on fire, and burned to death because their marriage dowries are deemed too small. It is a violation of human rights when individual women are raped in their own communities and when thousands of women are subjected to rape as a tactic or prize of war. It is a violation of human rights when a leading cause of death worldwide among women ages 14 to 44 is the violence they are subjected to in their own homes by their own relatives. It is a violation of human rights when young girls are brutalized by the painful and degrading practice of genital mutilation. It is a violation of human rights when women are denied the right to plan their own families, and that includes being forced to have abortions or being sterilized against their will. If there is one message that echoes forth from this conference, let it be that human rights are women's rights, and women's rights are human rights once and for all.
Greetings, greetings, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'd like to give you all a very, very warm welcome to today's show. I'm your host, of course, Faith, and you're live on Her Story too. I'm so glad, as always, that you guys are having with us live on today's show, Africa Insight. Today, we have a very, very special guest. Sam Cromer is hanging out with us. Yes, that is your very own Project Reads Executive Director by Project Girls Fire. So, she's going to be hanging out with us, and we're going to be talking about social change. Yes. Project READ is the first global social change initiative and this amazing organization, Project Girls Fire, is a unifier that creates safe places and promotes literacy for girls in Liberia through stories and gives hope and connects people from diverse backgrounds, helping them find a common ground. So today's share, we discuss the impact of books and literature in the lives of girls, self-love, and the importance and representation of women and girls in media. Let's talk. Yes. So a warm, warm welcome. Definitely looking forward to taking all your calls as always. I'd love to hear your opinions. I'd love to hear your stories. And your feedback is very important to us. We value those as well. So let me give you the calling number, which is 646-668-8830. That is the number to call. If you're calling from outside the U.S., you will need to dial the country code and then dial 646-668-8830 and that will get you right in. So warm, warm welcome. Warm, warm welcome. I'd like to remind you, for those of you on the call line, that the chat room is now open and you're most welcome to come on over and hang out with our friends and all our guests in the chat. If you're new to Her Story 2 or to Block Talk Radio, all you got to do is come on over to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Her Story 2. That's all you got to do. Simply click on the link that says sign up and that will get you right in. So once again, a warm, warm welcome. You're hanging out with us on Africa Inside on Her Story 2. I'm your host, of course, Faith, hanging out with our very amazing co-host, Fantastisk aften med os. Ja. 
Well, that was Shaz hanging out with us today. Welcome, Shaz. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So we're going to do what we do on all of our shows, and that is going to have a little welcome party. Yes, we do that on all of our shows, and today is no exception, absolutely. So let's go ahead and do that, and when we're done with that, we come back and we'll go right into today's share. Absolutely. Yes, guests, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're hanging out with Project, Project Girl Spire Executive Director, Sam Cromer. Y'all know her? <laughs> okay, so let's do what we do on all of our shows, and that is going to our welcome party. Yeah, this is your cue to, you know, get your drinks, get your pen and pad. You know, you never know what pearls are going to be dropped on the show. So go ahead and do that. And when we come right back, we'll dive right into today's share. We're going to be hanging out with the Project Read team. Yes. So thank you, thank you. Enjoy. And we'll be right back. There you have it. Enjoy. We'll be right back. Ladies, tell them I woke up like this. I woke up like this. 
welcome back. Welcome back. First thing I'd like to do is send out love to each one of you and just really thank you for all your support and all of you who look out for us and sponsor our show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So a big shout out to you all. Definitely looking forward to taking your calls today. So let me give you the calling number once again, which is 646-668-8830. That is the number to call. I also want to remind you that all of our shows are available for you to download, download, download. So today we're hanging out with a very, very special guest. Yes, we're hanging out with Sang Kerma. Sang, who is Sang? Okay, I will tell you who Sang is. Sang is an international communication specialist and the executive director of Resources and Outreach for Liberia, ROL. Yes. She's also the founder of Project Girlspire, also known as the Book Lady. Yes. We also discovered and know something some of you might not know about Sang. Yes, yes, yes. She is one of our STEM girls. Yes. She's a coder as well. Yes. Sang's code. She's, um, she's what most of you call a real-life superhero, DC-style, not Marvel. <laughs> okay, yeah. Y'all who live in the States, you know what that is. She's going to tell us what that is in just a minute because I think I see her on the call lines. Her superpower, y'all, her superpower is writing books for teens and advocating for girls. Yes, she's an advocate. She advocates to empower girls globally and basically get them reading. Yes, yes. She's got several superpowers. One of them is also, she's, she's also a TV-obsessed bibliophile. But more importantly, Sang says that she is Mo's big sister. So welcome, Sang. Are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> You and me both. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We're so honored you accepted our invitation to come and hang out with us on her story too. I'm sorry, I didn't get that. Oh, you didn't get that? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. What I said is we're so honored that you accepted our invitation to hang out with us on our show today. I'm honored you, you invited me. I'm actually really excited. <laughs> you have all these amazing projects and the name, you know, Project Girls Fire. You know, when I see this, the first thing that, you know, you know, just pops up in my mind is Girls Inspired. You know, tell us why Project Girls Fire? How is this word? Okay, well, um, as you said, I'm the Executive Director of Resources and Outreach for Liberia. And working with girls, we came up with Project READ, Restoration, Education, Arts, and Development. And we wanted to go further. And I decided to come up with Project Girlfire. wanted to inspire girls globally and connect girls globally. And Project Girlfire is more like a unifier by connecting mm-hmm. girls through storytelling. I might have an issue that I feel like no one can relate to, but through the art of storytelling and the stories that we write on Girls Fire, it's easy to find someone who shares your struggle or your pain or who's overcome that struggle. And that's basically the purpose of Project Girls Fire. 
Yeah, you have so many amazing projects. So you have the STEM projects, you have the Project READ, and I know that you, your organization is based in the U.S. as well as in Liberia. Tell us a little bit right. about Liberia. What's going on in Liberia? Are there, are there um, specific challenges um, that the girls in Liberia, you know, uniquely face? <laughs> okay, where do I start? I don't know how much everyone knows about Liberia, but we suffered through a 14-year civil war. And mm-hmm. it threw everything out of whack What in regards of schooling, the ambition of girls. Everyone's morals are all screwed up. They're all over the place. So you have girls, instead of wanting to be educated and wanting to be independent, they want to be married or they want to be someone's girlfriend in order to wear red bottoms or to travel. They don't want to figure out what's their niche and to develop it. They want the easy way out. And with Project Read and Project Girlfire, we're trying to teach girls that you don't need to depend on a man in order to sustain yourself or in order to go far in life. That's one of the biggest struggles because you have girls who <laughs> would rather be someone's second wife than to be the next Oprah or to be the next author, you know? Yeah, so and that's, that's actually, yeah, I, I totally understand that challenge because it is there. When I was just listening to you talk, I was just thinking of there's also several similarities in Kenya, where I'm originally from. You know, you have all these really, really young girls, eight years, nine years, 10 years. And when you ask them, you know, what, why don't you want to go to school? And she says, I just want to get married. So in my yeah. book, that is a big problem. When you see eight, when you hear eight, nine, 10 year old girls, thinking that they're ready to get married, you know, and actually go and have a family. And they're actually, um, I totally agree with you because they're actually willing to be a second or third wife to a very old man, 56 year old men. They don't see anything wrong with that. So this is why your project is really, really, really needed. And I'm sure this is a global problem. If we look going to India and other Asian countries as well, developing countries, I'm sure there's some, there'll be several, um, similarities as well, you know. Um, why do you think this is the case? I mean, we're in the 21st century. People might argue that, you know, surely things have changed. You know, the situation can't be that bad. <laughs> I hear that all the I'm time. Gonna, if the girls are in I'm school, gonna, you know, what's the problem? Why are you all making noise? <laughs> there yeah. is no problem. <laughs> and I'm going to try to be somewhat politically correct because I have a big mouth and I don't <laughs> want to put myself in trouble, but you know, people don't read, and this is the problem. They look at pictures, and they see someone who has struggled, and they've paid their dues, wearing expensive clothes or traveling. And I'll use someone that I really admire. She's a Liberian as well, Saran Kaba-Jones. She's the mm-hmm. executive director of Faith Africa. She has the most fabulous life. But this girl has paid her dues. She's Harvard-educated, and she has worked to get to where she is. But someone... On the other side of the world, some girl in Liberia will see her and this extravagant life she lives and they'll think that she got it easily. She didn't have to work for it. And so instead of inquiring or reading on her and trying to figure out how she managed to live the the life that she lives, they'll want to take the easy way out and become someone's girlfriend. And there's a huge disconnect. They feel as though women are their competition when they're not. Those are your biggest cheerleaders like we have to be I, I, I believe sisterhood is so important 
without it, it is you so important I totally agree with you, and that's why I actually also played Beyonce's song where she talks, where Chimamanda, you know, Chimamanda, you know, the open feminist, she's such an amazing author as well. She clearly says that we're taught to compete against each other and to compete about things that really are not relevant. And this is actually the divide and conquer kind of rule that has been used for decades. You know, so you would think that in the 21st century, we would have caught on to this strategy, you know, divide and conquer. If you keep the women separate, then surely it takes really long time to achieve progress, you know. So I totally agree with you that sisterhood is really important and collaboration and not competition. You know, you're only competing against yourself. Nobody is you. You're unique, you know. So, you you know, that's you will never compete against anybody but yourself. But go on. And that's, mm-hmm. and, um, that, that's the problem. I, I always say this to many Liberian girls. I don't know how it is in other places in Africa, but Facebook is more like a, a picture book for them. They won't, read, they won't take the time to read the story. They'll just look at the pictures and create their own stories based on what they see. And that's the problem. Reading is the most important thing that you can do. You need to have the information that goes along with the pictures, and they don't do that. But who is to blame with that? Because I think media has also very cleverly, and I say clever for lack of better word, because actually I don't think it's a very good approach. The representation of women and the representation of girls in the media is one where, you know, they're over-sexualized. It's kind of like even the superhero. I've always wondered why the superhero who's about to save the whole world needs to wear high heels, eight-inch heels, and a tight leather suit. And I'm thinking like, I wear heels. I would never wear heels to go and save the world or even just go hiking. You know, it doesn't work. Think, so right. why, I, yeah, who is to blame? <laughs> because I think there are so many factors that are playing into the mindset of these girls, you know. It is. And it's the same thing in regards to this whole skin bleaching epidemic. The girls oh, yeah. are taught that you're not beautiful unless you're light skin, And there's a problem with that. And then the thing is, they see that and they hear this. And then on the other side, you see celebrities like Kim Kardashian having plastic surgery to get the features that they have. So they're confused. So the media plays a big role in that in confusing girls. And it's our job as women who know better and who want better for these girls to teach them that this is not the only way to make it and this is not the only way you're going to be beautiful. You're beautiful as you are. But how do we break through to the mindset? Because when I was looking at your work and reading about the projects and the work you were doing in Liberia, I saw so many similarities with Kenya. And so mm-hmm. why I found this project really exciting in my book maybe some people are not very excited by the word read, but I am excited about the word <laughs> read because you know it actually is touching the mind and I believe that nothing changes without changing your mind first you know you have to get your mind right before you can even make that move you know to go to student to attend school to know what you're going to get out of it even when you read the book you have to have that mindset you know you have to have your right mind so how can we break through to the girls who will tell you that um, I don't want to go to school I just want to get married or you know they want to get into prostitution because they think it's an easy way out and I worked in this field I know what you know about human trafficking and child trafficking and sometimes they don't exit because the money is too good they say faith the if I work better, yeah. 
if I haven't been to school, I say you can still go to school. You're never, it's never too late, but they say I have to then earn like a thousand, two thousand euros a month. But right now I'm earning maybe so much. And I'm like, but you're also carrying a whole lot of diseases and you're having a lot of abortions. Surely your body should be much more valuable. But, you know, and your health, of course. But how mm-hmm. do we break through to change these kind of perceptions of what is good, you know, financially, health, you know, the holistic approach? How do we make our girls understand that? But that's the thing about us constantly going back to the drawing board and create. That, that's one of the things that I love about writing. I get to create characters or representations of these girls who don't see representations of themselves out there. And once they see these things, that's, that's why Girls Fire is so important. They're seeing, they get to see examples of people who are like them or were like them and who overcame these things. We teach them how they overcame it because telling someone that I was there before and now I'm here, that doesn't help. They need to know how. They need to see how. And it has to be something that's repetitive. It can't just be one story or one example. They have to see constant reminders of the fact that things get better and it has gotten better for certain people. Telling someone one time or showing them something once is not going to make a difference. So it has to be something constant that, and they have to know we're there for them. That's why with Project Read, we're, we're opening a drop-in center that goes in, that coincides with the library program. Is it someplace that they can come when they need to talk to someone? Because sometimes maybe they're not ready to change, but they just want to talk to someone. And that's something that isn't very prevalent in Liberia. And for some yeah. reason... In, yeah, they don't yeah. get to talk. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Mm-hmm. For some reason, mental health seems to be the last of the least importance in Africa. I don't know why we believe that there's some huge stigma on talking to someone when you need help. Uh, I, I don't know. They, there's some in Liberia, at least. People don't go to therapy. There are no therapists that I know of in Liberia. And that's not normal, especially after coming from a 14-year civil war. And some of these girls were raped. Some of them were sold into prostitution, so that's all they know. And worse, I mean... Yeah, worse, yeah. Yeah. But I think in Africa, well, if I look at the the Kenyan context, you know, when you mention mental health and therapy, I think Africa has found this kind of coping mechanism where they have put all that burden on the church. You know, that's where they go for their therapy. But again, there are different levels of trauma you know, and different, and people are different and they respond to trauma and different situations differently. So you might actually need somebody who understands this trauma, this specific trauma, what you're going through from a different perspective. But I've noticed that, I'm not sure the same situation in Liberia, but at least in Kenya, the church is a very powerful tool and it's actually kind of replaced, yeah, replaced maybe the therapist or, you know, um, like you said, counselor and and all that. And I don't know how it is in Kenya, but I know in Liberia, um, witchcraft is the blame of everything. This person has been, I don't know, a spell has been put on them or someone put something on them. Nothing is natural. It has to be blamed on the devil or something like that. So then it becomes very complicated and an uglier situation than it needs to be. 
Yeah, I mean, there's so much work to do. And when you consider, like when you mentioned the war, I mean, I know a woman who works in Congo. And so when you're talking about the wars and the rape and the same situation is going on in Congo. And um, there's a lot, there's a lot of work. But I like the concept, the room. Tell us about the room. Uh, I know we talked briefly. I know we talked briefly about the drop-in center in Liberia, and you called it the room. You know, and I really like that. Yes, (laughs) tell us about the room. You know. Okay. (laughs) So the the concept is that there's a library program. This is specifically for girls. I feel like boys have so many opportunities, and girls don't. Because a lot of people ask, why girls? Why not girls? Everything caters to men. The other day, I saw um, China gave 50 scholarships to Liberian students. You know how many females were among those 50? No, how many? One. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, yeah. And the facts are there. I mean, when anybody asks, why girls, why girls, the facts are there. The most vulnerable are women and girls. I mean, it doesn't matter where you're going. You go to so many developing countries. They're the ones who really, in actuality, in reality, do not have access to finances. They're the ones who do all the work, you know, in the villages. They're the girls. It's the girls, the girls. They don't have even time to go to school. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They cook, they clean, they go and draw heavy buckets of water. And this is all before 6 o'clock because if they do go to school, they have to do all of that before they're able to go to school. So, mm-hmm. yeah, before and when they, the mother is in yeah. the market and she's the one who's the caretaker of the little her little siblings, even though yeah. in some cases she has older brothers, but they can mm-hmm. go to school and they can play soccer all day. So when yeah. I hear people ask these questions, I feel like telling them you need to pay a visit, go to the continent, go to the village, go to this place, and just spend a full day or two days and just look at everything happening there and you will never ask this question again you know you will never yeah Mm -hmm. by 12 years old a girl in africa is able to support an entire family by herself and you know and that is very interesting that you said that because i think that is why at eight nine ten years old they feel that they're ready to get married because they feel like i've been running the home so i might as well just go and run my own home you know but you know they are children, you know, they are children. Yeah. And um, I think they should be allowed to be children and as well as just, you know, live their dreams. You know, surely they have exactly. a lot of ideas, brilliant girls, talented, but, you know, yeah. They're stifled. They're stifled. And it's like no one believes in them. So it's very important that we develop programs, not just develop them, but we're there to implement these programs to make sure that, they don't get stuck in this cycle of basically no hope. Yeah, and with all the progress that has been made, it's not much progress, but there is some progress that has been made. Why in the 21st century? What? Why are our girls still not in school? I mean, the statistics are thrown out there. Everybody who works in this field knows that 62 million girls globally are not in school. We know the reasons, we know what it takes, but why are we making very little progress? In my view, that's very little. Honestly, I, I feel like it's out of fear because you've seen with so little access what women have been able to do. So imagine if we were given the same, the, the same allowance as men were given. 
they're afraid. I, I honestly believe that it's fear. And when you fear something or someone so much, you try to stifle them and try to beat out that ambition. So fear, fear from the from from our male counterparts or from the man or fear from from I mean, who? It could be fear fear from men, fear from authority. Because if you look at America too, with all the progress we have here, look at in Hollywood, women don't even make <laughs> nearly as much as men do, and it becomes a problem when they ask for equal pay. Why? Yeah, but you know, when it comes to equal pay, there's all the debates that women just don't know how to negotiate, and all is fair in business. That's what the you know the rhetoric is. But I think I, that I like women, that cool. it could be yeah. But the thing is, let's say worst case scenario. Let me play the devil's advocate and say women don't negotiate. Women don't, don't, don't. Why is that the case? There must be something wrong with the upbringing, or something is there's a broken chain of. You know, why are, why, why are men better negotiators, for example? And I think it starts from when the girl is a child. You know, I remember watching a documentary where the girls were saying that when their brothers go and talk at the dinner table, their parents are listening, very attentive. But when she talks, the parents don't listen to her. So I think that already is sending a message that, you know, you should keep your mouth closed. You know, you have nothing to say. You have no opinion here, you know? I feel that comes into play, but then when you... you uh you find out the people who are actually being told or given this excuse, you find it very hard to believe. Like the most tenacious women would, I, I just I just don't, I feel like that's a cop out. And whether or not they're good negotiators, I feel like that's subjective as well. Who's to say mm-hmm. they aren't as good? I don't know. It's, it's, I, I really believe it's fear. And, for example, look at what's going on with Hillary Clinton. I know people may have their issues with her and um, the whole email business, but it's fear. They're, fear. they're afraid of her. And that's why Donald Trump And I Trump think is also they're not, they're not used to seeing women like Hillary. <laughs> you know, it's Hillary is shocking the system of a lot of people globally, you know. She's like mm-hmm. a shock effect, you know. She's, and, I, yeah, and, you know, she's just very authoritative and she speaks her mind and she's, she's intelligent. She has the, you know, she has the, what do you call it, the resume. She's done the work. And I always say does- politics is politics. If you go into politics, you're in politics, you know, you're doing what politicians do. So, you know, mm-hmm. that being said, I think that women in politics, um, they don't get fair play. You know, the guys just don't play fair. Not you know, when I watched all. Donald Trump's debate, and he doesn't touch on a lot of issues, but she touches on the issues, and whether you like her or not, you know, you're here to talk about issues, policies, you know, real ways to change, you know, society, whether they do it or not. Yeah. And whether you you like her or not, yeah, you have to look at the kind of rhetoric. So, you know, but I think she's, um, she's, um, she's a, she's interesting for a lot of societies globally. And I would say that globally, I mean, it's mostly patriarchal if you look at majority of the world. So when Hillary comes up, it's like, whoa, you know. And it's the same mm-hmm. with Angela Merkel in Germany and the same with Helen yeah. in Smith in, in Denmark. Because I remember when she would have a, you know, a presentation or a debate, the next headline was about her lipstick and her handbag and her Gucci Paris and uh, all these really shallow things. Nothing about yeah. what she was actually exactly. talking about. Mm-hmm. 
She so, was already a, there was already a problem with her when she was first lady. She wasn't um, a Jackie O who was all about you know fashion and you know pretty much pretentious things. She wanted to be involved, and she was the first uh, first lady who actually had an office in the West Wing. That but why is that so important? Why are women and girls still valued more for their bodies and not their abilities or their mind? Why is that? I, I okay. believe it's the, it's the media. They sexualize women. And then when, I mean, I'm, all, I'm a feminist and I'm all for women loving their bodies. But well, so is a bummer. So it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but when it becomes your only selling point, I feel like there's a huge problem. Because you make it difficult for those who want to gain um, attention based on actual merit, you know? Oh, yes. And, they make it difficult for us, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I love pretty things and things, too. I used to model, but there's more to me. It was a means to an end for me. Basically, I did that to help pay for college. You know, but there's nothing but wrong when, with being pretty and, you know, it's also art. You know, you're expressing yourself to yeah. different avenues. It's art, it's, it's exactly. all literature, it's fashion, everything. These are also industries where you can actually earn a very good living. So we can never knock off that because that is then knocking off other people's talents and also exactly. their abilities, ideas, and all that good stuff. But I think when everybody is thrown into that bucket and when you see comments such as you will never work with me because you're overweight or you're big or you're fat, I saw those kind of comments in I think some random articles, you know, with the U.S. election. I'm not sure who said that. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you see those kind of things and they're allowed, you know, then I think there, then there is a problem there. You but know, example, and we also that, know... Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Go ahead, go ahead. And we, and we also know that we... These are facts. Y'all, if you don't believe us, you can go and do the research. But, you know, countries and places where women and girls are treated with respect tend to perform better um, yes. economically, not just socially, but socially, economically, and even, I believe, politically. Go ahead. And you would think, with Liberia having the first female president in Africa, that the state of women would be different. But it seems to be worse. For some reason, they... Uh, People have less respect for women. I, I don't know. And I don't know if it's the whole anger at a woman winning the election or whatever it is, but it has gotten much worse than it was before. Is it because they don't want to support her policies? Because I'm not very aware of all the politics in Liberia, but she <laughs> is the president. And so I guess the back should say, you know, the back, you know, they always say the back stops with you, right? Uh-huh. So why is that? That what's going on? Why can't she push policies? Why can't she have no, better she a better education policies, system? Mm-hmm. It's just more of the same old, same old, and and now it's being thrown in our face. Oh, we wanted a, you guys wanted a woman. You have a woman, and then this is what's happening. But I don't feel like it's her. This the problem in Africa that I feel like we have is that they believe that the president is supposed to do any everything and on his or her own and people don't take responsibility for things happening in their own backyard for example most people feel in Liberia feel like government is the only way out there's no private sector everyone feels like in order to make it you have to work in government so that's why you have so many people and that's why I was so interested um, when Goldman Sachs 
started that 10,000 women program where, uh, can you hear me? Hello? Yes, I can hear you. I can hear you. Yeah, there was some feedback or something. But, yeah, um, I opened um, I opened one of our uh, listeners' mic. <laughs> I thought oh, they wanted okay. to say something. So I usually just open the mic so they can just jump in. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Yeah, but go and, on. <laughs> Goldman Sachs had this program called 10,000 Women Program where um, they went around the world and they um, invested in they Well, they put women into a program where they trained them to be entrepreneurs and they went into different types of business. And that was featured on the Half the Sky documentary. I worked on the Liberian portions of that documentary. And Congratulations. We should watch that. <laughs> yeah. You actually should. I think you'll really love it. Um, it was on PBS. It's on PBS? uh, Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh Maybe you can send it to us and we can watch it and share it as well. Okay. Uh Okay. Yeah, I can do that. But, yeah, um, you see how when women were given just, I mean, I think they were given something like uh, $1,000 or $2,000 loans in the beginning. And there's one woman in Liberia um, who has an international business just based on that loan that she, she was given in the beginning. This woman ships her goods to the United States, to Europe, to everywhere. Women don't have access, which is the problem. Once they're given that little bit of access, they flourish. And that's why I, I have that strong feeling about fear being what makes them stifle us so much. Because yeah. if more women were given this type of access, can you imagine what would happen? Yes, and it's actually good for the economy. And it's a proven fact that when women flourish, the families flourish. Women don't say, now I'm just going to buy shoes for my daughter. No, they buy shoes for the whole family. You know, they feed the whole family. So I don't see why people just don't get it. Like, you have to support. And like you said, it was $1,000. These are not large sums of large sums of money. But the, what is coming out of this, I call it seed money, is actually huge yes. impact. Huge impact. And then eventually what happens? She creates employment. She hires people because her business is growing. And, you know, it just becomes like a ripple effect. So it makes business sense to invest in women and girls, of course. And so, well, I guess we'll continue to do our part, right? (laughs) But But you are doing some really cool stuff. Remember when we talked briefly, we have to, we have to not forget to talk about you've been an author because, you know, in the intro, I don't know whether you had the intro, I mentioned some of your superpowers and I forgot to mention that one of them is that you're an author, right? (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Before I get to that, I'll talk about more of um, the reading aspect and the story writing aspect of Project Read and Girls Fire. Yes, please um, go ahead. Mm -hmm. We started a story corner in a reading room in 2012 in Liberia. And well, actually it started with just the reading room. And when a lot of the girls found out that I was an author, they would tell me about their dreams to write stories as well. So we started kind of like a creative writing program where um, they would write their own short stories. And we started off with a game that my brother and I created called Pass the Story. One person starts off with a story. This is off the top of the head, kind of like a freestyle thing. And then the next person will pick up from there and they'll continue going. So from there, they begin to write their own stories and they share it with me and I critique. And so that's why with Project Girlfire now, we've actually 
put together a short story anthology. This is an anthology of short fictional stories written by female authors, actually 15 female authors from all around the world. And um, this is, the theme is um, The Chosen One. I don't know if you're familiar with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> so I'm obsessed with Buffy, right? We have a hand raised up. Hold on. I have to open. I mean, we'll have to deal with the feedback. I think Buffy is a star. Hold on. I'll just open this mic. Let's, we'll, y'all, you'll have to deal with the feedback because this is a really cool friend of mine. So hold on, y'all. She probably okay. likes Buffy. Hold on. Yes, hi. Hi. How are hi. you? I'm fine. How are you? It's so amazing I'm what good. you do. I mean, it's something that you should be really admired because this is not something, you know, that, I mean, anybody can do. So um, you're really putting a lot of effort to this, um, obviously. And now we were talking about the Buffy and the Vampire actually was something that I really liked. And actually, also my <laughs> husband. That's like crazy. But anyways... Um, but, but we were talking about before, like, um, you know, like women doesn't have that much right, you know, like, around the world, like, I'm, I'm from Iran, and I know exactly how it works, because, like, today's, like, in Iran, we have a lot of educated women, but they're not really allowed to do what they really wanted to do, and I think what it has to also do with it, I don't know how much you know about, I mean, the country Iran itself, but my godmother um, is actually from Iran. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay, cool. Yes. But, um, the thing is that, you know, like, I mean, because people are, are so educated, I mean, really like, you know, they have like a very high level of education, especially the women mm-hmm. too. But I think in, in the society of Iran today that, I mean, it, it's it, it gotten a little bit better, but still there is a long way to go because right. it's basically the, the men that, you know, that decides everything. It's always the man that is like one step ahead. So, um, yeah. so it's a really hard thing, I think, in general, especially in those countries. You know, when you say like in in Africa, in Liberia, in Middle East. So, um, and it's something. I it's maybe a little bit different. You know, when you're like in Europe or in Scandinavia mm-hmm. or probably back in the states, but. Um, uh-huh. But I think like um, it's it's a huge. I mean, of course, it's a huge pro- problem like global wise, right? But it's I think it's a much worse, you know, in in those countries because right. you have so many talented, you know, women out there that they could really, you know, be a, become a CEO or you know a huge director mm-hmm. of a company. But it's just like somehow they're not allowed to. Especially in Iran, it's always the men that you know. It's like they're the ones. I mean, you're probably gonna find they're given one more opportunity. Mm-hmm, exactly. So it's really a huge problem. Uh, I mean, in our society. So I think really it's a it's an amazing thing that you know. I mean, what you do um, to help this. Um, I mean, help those girls that um, you know to get somewhere. It's it's yeah, not. Like, I, I don't think it's so easy. I mean, it, I think it's really. It's not. Tough. It's not easy at all it's not easy at all and you'd think that when you you do programs like this you'd have more access because people would want to help you to prosper for this program to prosper but no you there's so many roadblocks and so many people fighting you and you don't understand why but I feel like if I wasn't passionate about it maybe I would have given up a long time ago 
it's not something that you can just, um, I think when now you're started with this thing, it's not something you would just say, okay, now I'm done with it. I can maybe probably go to some, you know, do something else. I think yeah, you just no, keep doing what you're, you know, what you're doing. But then at the same time, I mean, like I know that you know you're author, so I mean, um, I mean, what, what do you, I mean, yeah, what do you do exactly? Like, as I mean, you you write books or? Yeah, I'm okay. Well, by trade, I'm a communication specialist, so um, I I'm a jack of many trades. Um, I take a, on a lot of contracts to do like sometimes I'll do four months of doing public relations for a company. Or I take on clients from various places. I move around a lot with that. But I, I write young adult fiction as well. I'm signed to Not A Pipe Publishing. And my next book will actually be published before Christmas. It's called Jen, The Book of the Concealed. And um, yeah, besides yeah. that, I'm you very busy. Telling us, sorry, you were telling us about Buffy the Vampire. I want to rewind oh. it back to yeah. that. Because oh, okay. I think you're going to spill some beans about the book. <laughs> which I am basically okay. looking forward to read it. I know we talked briefly about it, but um, yeah, please tell us a little bit about this book. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for strong women overcoming odds, you know, and that's why I'm so obsessed with Buffy. I watch it on a loop. I've been watching it on a loop since like 1997. So ask me anything about Buffy, I know it. So, you know, the theme of Buffy is that she's the chosen one. She's this small blonde girl from California. No one expected her to be able to do all the things that she did. So I'm obsessed with those types of characters. So for my book, um, Jen, my main character's name is Bijou Fitzroy. She's okay. a girl who's been homeschooled her entire life and by her grandmother. Her parents mm-hmm. apparently died in an accident before, she, um, I guess, when her mom died giving birth to her and her dad died before she was born. So she had no parents. They move okay. around a lot. And she does these really strange things. But when she moves to a town is when she starts to find out exactly who she is and what she's capable of. She mm-hmm. finds out that her ethnicity isn't what she always thought it was and she has ties to Liberia. So I take old folklore from Liberia and other countries and I modernize it and that's what concealed is. It's like a melting pot of lore and fiction from everywhere you can think about. Okay. That sounds very interesting. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the same thing with the whole chosen thing um, for the Project Girlfire book that we're publishing. Uh-huh. All of the stories are about chosen women, like girls who had to overcome some sort of adversity to to become who they're supposed to be. So there are 15 mm-hmm. short stories written by women from all around the world. So I think that's going to be very, really exciting. And the, I mean, I mean, these books you can you can you know, get them probably, right? You can buy them or, you know, I mean. Yeah, the um, the Project Girlfire anthology will be ready next year, but um, my book will be done this year or for sale this year. Oh, next year or this year? The Project Girlfire book will be on sale next year, but my book, okay. The Gin, will be uh-huh. ready before Christmas. For sale oh, before, before Christmas. Christmas. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's it's yeah, it's it's really interesting, and I I mean obviously you have a lot of things going on. I mean, 
Yeah. So it's it's the book and then the thing in Liberia. I mean, how can you just keep up with all these things in a one time? <laughs> um, I've always been like that. I don't do well when I'm focused on just one thing. So this is how I work best. And actually, I have a really awesome team behind me as well um, for Project Girlfire. I don't know if you checked out the website, but Project Girlfire, our site is constantly updated. We have articles on there, new articles, first of all, every day. And our editor-in-chief is actually um, a high school student from New Jersey, Tina Lou, and she's amazing. Before, we had um, an author as our editor-in-chief, and we wanted to go into a, di- a younger direction because since Girlfire is geared towards adolescent girls and teenage girls and stuff, we wanted a younger voice. So Tina yeah, does that's phenomenal. what I noticed about your website. It's really good concept because they can relate better. Yeah, I really like right. it. It's a really cool approach. And, you know, just back to, you know, writing and the writing process. I've always wondered about the writing process and the pressure that is put on authors, especially by the media and the public, you know, especially when they're challenging the status quo. Do you feel the need to water down your content, you know, kind of like an indirect kind of sneaky censorship, you know, where you feel like, oh, my I don't want to write that because I don't want to step on any toes. <laughs> Do you feel that? I actually, my first book, I actually felt like that before because I had another publisher before and I felt like, well, I wrote, I poured my heart out into it and I just felt like my message got lost in translation during their editing process because they didn't want to alienate people and that's not that my story doesn't translate if I'm hand holding or or watering down the content to make people feel comfortable with what I have to say, you know? But this go around, my publishers amazing. They want me to be outspoken and they want me to be controversial. So that's to my taste. Because as a writer, I feel like the moment you have to be censored, it's like you lose your voice. And if you don't have a voice, you have nothing at all. There's no reason for you to write. I know, right? Yeah, it's kind of like they're chipping pieces out of your authenticity, you know? And um, just real quick, we have six minutes left on the show. I don't believe it. Like a thousand and one questions to ask. Seriously, that fast. I'm just like thinking of all the things that we've not managed to talk about. But um, just real quick, what is your favorite genre? Young adult fiction. (laughs) (laughs) I I love it. And I love anything supernatural, so I had to write about the djinn because I love anything that's sci-fi or horror or fantasy related. I I love that aspect because we have so many things to deal with in reality. I want uh, I want something supernatural to to be my escape from the real world. Oh, that is so cool! Yeah, I cannot wait to read the djinn. I cannot wait to read anyway. Both of them, both of them. I can't wait for those. But just real quick, because now we're just looking at the clock. It's like two seconds left on the clock. What's your take on how media handles and tells the stories from the? Because now you 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 know you've been you, you can see both sides of the world. You know you're in the U.S. and you're also in Nigeria. What's your take on that? You know. I didn't hear the last end of your question. Um, what's your take on how media media handles and tells the stories from the continent? Because you know you're all about storytelling, you know, encouraging girls to read and tell their stories. You know, oh, but okay. we don't get I to need, see like, a, lot of, a lot of stories. Yeah, another hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Let me try to break it down. Well, I'm. Um, the 
the media screws Africa. Like, they really screw us. They just want us to seem like the most animalistic, uh, primal. They don't want anything. I mean, Africa is beautiful. There's so much we have to offer, and they're so hell-bent of telling this sob story, that aspect of it. They don't tell the story of the girls that are beating the odds, you know? that It's always just the sad aspect of it. What about the others? Because I know the last time there was an article, um, it wasn't the BBC that posted the article, but anyway, the article about the girls that are living in the cemeteries in Liberia, like they're actually living in actual graves and these are prostitutes and all sorts of stuff. But when I dug deeper, I found out that a few of these girls have made it out of living in that situation and they're actually starting their own businesses, things like that. We don't hear that part. They just want yeah, to that's what I, Yeah, exactly. They always want to see the glass half empty and not half full, you know. And they tell actually better stories about animals sometimes, you know, on the safari. They get a beautiful yes. video. <laughs> and you think yeah, exactly. two narratives. Yeah, they have two narratives, the animals and the safari, but the people are like non-existent, you know. Um, when they tell a story, like in Kenya, you know, the Maasais are very popular. What they don't yeah. tell about the Maasais is the Maasais are not meat eaters. You know, they live right in the middle of nature. They don't hunt for right. fun. They respect the animals. Right. They won't even build their, you know, their homes where they, they, they extract the pathways for the animals to go and get water. But, you know, there's so much no. that is not told. They respect nature so much, these messiahs. But they will tell about all the negative things the messiahs And, I mean, yeah. you know, there, there are many ways to look at things. And, yes, the messiah community also has some FGM. But we can focus also on the good and then exactly. have dialogue about the things that we can change. But we don't hear about the beautiful aspect of the culture, you know. And then we wake up one morning and we see the Maasai Shuka, we call it the Shuka, on the runways of the sun, you know. And I was like, exactly. that's the Maasai Shuka. You didn't talk about how beautiful it is and how, you know, how high class it is, you know. So I think there's this double standard, you know, when it comes to telling stories um, about the it, continent. There's, there's, a, there's a serious, yeah, there's a serious disconnect they don't and, and they don't come and talk to you they don't want to ask you questions they come with the cameras and they create their own stories like I was saying about how the girls look on Facebook and see glamorous pictures and think that they have to do it by any means to be rich or famous they do the same thing they come there with their cameras and they create their own stories based on just an image and not talking to the people and finding out the real story and sometimes oh my they don't God. even want to know the real story. No, Sam, we oh. have one minute left. You have to take us out with something. I don't know what you can, if you're in right. <laughs> you can choose how to take us oh. out of here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's been I, an honor hanging out with you. I'll just say this real quick and get that out of the way. <laughs> I was such an interesting dialogue, very nice conversation, really amazing woman. And thanks to you and your project, Read, we are slowly taking control and telling our own stories. So really thank you, a big thank you to you for doing that, sharing your gift with us. We really appreciate that. And we look forward to reading your book. Yeah, so take us out of here. Thank you for having me. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to talk about STEM, but... I want to talk about the importance of being able to find your niche. And if you know how to code, you can turn that into magic. So I think all girls should learn coding. And it's very important, not even just girls, women too. If you 
Oh, so much I want to say. I can't say it, but check out <laughs> well, ProjectGhostFire.com. <laughs> you're welcome to come back. We can do a whole show on Sam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we didn't talk about the book in detail because, you know, we had this conversation. We didn't even get to talk about the why. Exam, you know, the National Exam in Liberia. I wanted to yeah. cover all that because oh, yeah. it was so oh, important. Yeah, so oh. you have to come back, Sam. You absolutely I must come back. Know. I had a good time. Yes, you must, must come back here. Yeah. So, but thank you, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We really, really honored and appreciate all the work that you do. You will definitely have to come back so that we can really cover oh, all the corners. And you have to let me interview you for Project Girls Fire. Oh, yes, I'll tell you all about Kenya and the girls in Kenya yes, and all the I wonderful women entrepreneurs doing some really cool stuff there. I would really love to do that. Yes, Thank look forward you. to and it. Don't forget to look up the, the Pollination Project. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I will look up the Pollination Project. Absolutely. Yes. So okay. thank you. Thank you so much. I know we'll be reading about your organization and all the wonderful things. I know we're going to read about that. So y'all, thank you so much for hanging out with us, all of you on the call lines. And all of you in the chat, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We really appreciate you. And you know what? Please go and visit Project Girls Fire. Go to their website, visit, and you will have amazing things to read about over there. Yeah. So take care, y'all. And enjoy the rest of the evening. We'll definitely bring back um, Sam Chroma. She's an amazing woman, really doing amazing things in the U.S. and in Liberia. And, um, yes, her story, too, is all about inspiration, inspiring women and girls to be at their best. Okay. Take care and have a good day. Bye-bye.